Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultants Consultant. I work with data science teams, helping them work even smarter, faster and nicer. If you're brilliant and you want to be even better, this is the podcast for you. Ladies and gentlemen, today my guest is Mary Cazadeh, who's been working in analytics for a long time. Too long. Too long, you don't <laughs> want to say. It's like never ask a woman her age. 25, I would say. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. So yeah. you've seen lots of organisations and lots of different analytics teams in that space. Yeah. Where did you start? What, what was your first kind of... My first job? Yeah. Um, so first of all, my name is Maria Angela. Maria. <laughs> just on that because on LinkedIn is actually my full name. So the, my first job was out of uni in Bologna, mm-hmm. in Italy. Um, Bologna has the oldest European, North European university town, beautiful mm-hmm. town. And I did um, a small job, actually, for HR mm-hmm. of the university. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was like doing a kind of a survey around mm-hmm. the different... Uh, you know, unit of the university was quite interesting, which mm-hmm. was just a sort of assignment. And then from there, my first real job was working in software, uh, SPSS at the time, which is now IBM. Mm-hmm. And that's where I pretty much took off because the next 16 years was uh, working with um, a large software organization, which is SAS. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, you, and you've worked in the analytics space basically since SAS? Pretty much. Was your university degree in? Uh, Economic and statistics. Oh, okay, cool. So at that point, there was no analytics you could study as such. You had to study the basis. (laughs) Nice. Yes. Yes. Um, So Mary, well, the first question I'm going to ask you is about how you work smarter. What are the things you do, the routines you have in your life to work smarter? This is a particularly relevant topic. Mm -hmm. And you know why, and I won't go into that. But at the moment, um, it really goes down to prioritize the work you do. And actually, Mm -hmm. ruthless prioritization, it's what we do. Uh, But it goes back to what is the question that we're trying to answer? Mm -hmm. And is it going to have an impact or not? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you're going through that process and say, is it going to make a difference? Mm -hmm. Because stakeholders will come to you, as you know, mm. with the question. Yeah. <laughs> really, sometimes I, I, I wish. wish I how many birthdays are done in May? Yeah. I wish I actually wrote a book mm-hmm. with all the questions, especially in the last three years, because some are hilarious. So mm-hmm. you really need to go, okay, is this question, first of all, is it a relevant question? At this point in time, you know, mm-hmm. with the business mm-hmm. circumstances, and is it going to move? As much as I hate the world, is it going to move the needle? Mm-hmm. Is it going to make an impact? Uh, and then, you know, once i done the validation process, I will engage, and I will obviously go through the process, assign the analyst inside or the data scientists and work together with them to mm-hmm. try to answer, obviously, that question the best we can. Mm-hmm. And it, the challenge is, you know, it's doing more with less at the moment yes. and, and working this new agile way of working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I can do your head in on some days, can't I? Uh, very much so, especially because stakeholders are coming to you and they want the answer yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Uh, How do you keep your head straight? What do you do to kind of get <laughs> I don't. Of, you don't? <laughs> so you don't work out? You don't? You know me. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I keep, I mean, um, I have to say that some of my stakeholders actually become friendship. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of the things I leverage in my work. Mm-hmm. I build relationship. Yeah. 
and, and in, in an analytical work uh, and analytical people, that could be quite a differentiation, mm. if you see what I mean. Yes, I do, yes. <laughs> um, so that gives you a, a little bit of leverage mm -hmm. when you have in, uh, especially senior stakeholder. So you becoming your brand and, and I have one differentiation. I have mm -hmm. an accent mm -hmm. and sometimes I hate it, mm -hmm. but sometimes actually people remember, recognize you mm -hmm. and they know, you know, you developing their brand yes. and the type of work you do and how you work. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, I'm also very Italian, mm -hmm. so I can lose it very easily and passionate. So there is a trademark, mm -hmm. but I think I'll, I keep sanity with my team. Mm -hmm. My team is fantastic and mm -hmm. they know the way I work. But I also think I build my relationship very consciously. So, so they you have know some leeway. Yeah, mm. I, I have some leeway. So, so you can actually push back when they ask for yeah. something that really isn't And they know, the yeah. <laughs> they know where not to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've trained them well. That's I good. I trained them well. Yeah, some yeah. of them that have been working now, you know, in, in this latest organization I'm working for, they, they know exactly yeah. when they can ask something and how they need to do. <laughs> so that's when, when I, I'm not losing it. And do you have like exercise routines or do you have a hobby that you do to kind of stress? Absolutely. Yeah. I have to say I've been uh, on and off uh, doing yoga for like 10 years, let's mm -hmm. say. But then three years ago, was it three years ago? Yes. I went to Bali in Ubud mm -hmm. uh, for a 50 year, uh, 50 year birthday celebration. Mm -hmm. And I've been practicing since very regularly. Once because obviously... I left my job in, in the software organization after a long time. That was a 16 years mm -hmm. job. And um, I wanted to challenge myself and I wanted to do something different with eventually, you know, mm -hmm. came back to me. <laughs> and and um, since I started working for this large organization, I'm obviously um, with the people that you know as well, mm -hmm. uh, as you say, keeping sanity is a challenge on a daily basis. Yeah, so yoga that. helped me a lot yeah. because I breathe. Yes. And I um, meditated as well at the end of the day. So that's a huge... I've always been a big fanatic in exercise. I think it releases stress as well. So I do have, you know, yeah. the trick, but I also like to take inspiration and, you know, doing different things. At the moment, the French movie festival is on, so I'm, I'm quite big on, on going to the cinema. I watch this really interesting movie on... Sunday night about Yves Saint Laurent. I mean, oh, yeah. a genius, oh, yeah. but, you know, but really, really personality-wise, it couldn't, it couldn't cope with the pressure. So there's a lot of inspiration that you can take and mm. take it yeah. back, especially oh, okay. in... <laughs> Some days. Well, I'm not as crazy as him. It's just that personality trait that you face in this, in this mm -hmm. kind of job. Mm -hmm. the, the traditional data scientist, yes, he's got the technical skills, but the most difficult one to find is that trademark. You've got the technical skills, but you need that sort of the business acumen to translate that mm. insight into something valuable for a stakeholder. Mm -hmm. And those one, in my experience, are the most difficult one to find. Yeah, the, the diamonds that you've just got to find. And sometimes, cool. yes, I have to tell you, they actually not traditional technical people, but uh -huh. they train themselves to be technical, but they're coming from a different background. Those are the best. Yeah. 
yes. best people. And I got two, actually, I shouldn't say that, but, no, but it's we say in my, in my <laughs> team, team that, that yeah. you worked with. <laughs> Very good, because they self-taught the technical skills, yeah. and but they came from a you know, marketing background, different background, mm-hmm. and, and the way they convey the message to stakeholders is the best. Yeah, because that's the thing, that's the key, right? To be able to actually get the stakeholder, get, it's just all the storytelling. It's Absolutely. all about the storytelling. So how do you recruit for that? What do you ask for in an interview? <laughs> what do you, how do you structure the job ad? What do you... I have to say, over the year, I really rely on my gut feeling. Right. And the gut feeling is rarely wrong. Mm-hmm. So that human interaction you're getting in the first few minutes mm-hmm. that you actually yes. meet somebody. Seven seconds, I reckon. I record is the same, especially for me, and, and I got, mm-hmm. you know, my theory on that. But... So that's I, it's the gut feeling, I rely a lot of it. And obviously, during the interview, and I try to be really quite short and sharp. Mm-hmm. I don't go through script. I mean, obviously, again, the organ- by organization I work with, they would come up with 10, 15 pages of script. I don't, I don't do that. Yeah. Do the essential. Uh, you obviously validate the experience mm-hmm. and the work that they've done. You might ask them to present some work, maybe, if, if you're thinking that it's yeah. uh, necessary to call them back. Uh, but you really rely on gut, gut feeling and, and the personality trait. Mm-hmm. So is this person going to be, you know, resilient, mm-hmm. especially in a highly challenging business world? Is this person going to be, you know, a team worker? So there are certain elements for me that are very important. Resilience, teamwork, what else? Um, well, clearly business acumen. Business acumen and, and obviously the, the, the fantastic combination of technical skill and, yeah. and business. You know, yeah. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And obviously, you know, diversity is very important for me mm-hmm. as well. So we always try to, especially in the, in the organization where I work now, diversity is a, is a core message. Mm-hmm. So I work with, um, actually, the challenge was the other way around. But until a few years ago, I had too many women in my team and we were looking for a man. So we're still there. We're almost, almost parity now. But yeah, yeah. So And overall, the analytics space is very male anyway. So if you're just, oh doing, my God. You're just doing your best for the women in analytics. Oh, my God. I remember. In the, at the beginning of my career, especially when I start, I start working for SAS in the UK. Most of the time, when I was going meeting with you know biggest organization, I was the only woman in the room. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was confronting, but not so much. It just get yeah, me the thick skin. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so now it's nice to have some women in your team every now. Actually, I get surprised uh, that it's the other way around. And when I start working in this company, obviously I uh, work in marketing, it was very much the other situation because in marketing you got more uh, women presence. Um, yeah, so it's it's quite nice. And I think women uh, support each other mm. and, and, you know... Um, share knowledge. Share knowledge and... So sometimes it could be a little bit tricky as well. I mean, it's not all rosy mm-hmm. world, but I think um, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely a big, big issue of diversity, big, big topic. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, let me see. What's the next question I should ask you? Oh, lessons you've learned in your career. Is there any that you go, I had this boss, they taught me this, it has stepped me in good stead. Or maybe when I lost this job, I learned. Or when I got this job, I learned. Good question. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good question. Okay, so a couple of lessons. When I left SAS, I was devastated mm-hmm. um, because for me, SAS was my second family. Yeah. And I, to, to these days, I still have very close friends. Um, what I learned there, uh, you're not unique. 
they can replace you. And all large organizations can yeah. replace you at any point in time. So yes, you're not a number, but pretty much close to that. Yeah, you're yeah. just an employee. Given so. the massive size of the and organization. And that was a, a tough lesson to learn. Yeah. Because um, the reason I left, yeah, it was I wanted to do something different, but obviously I was also challenging the fact that they were thinking, okay, well, she's been here so long, she will not go anywhere, and this is what she does. And I wanted to prove them that I could do more, mm -hmm. but they didn't see me fitting into that profile. Yeah. So I had to leave. Yeah, and to I get had this the box bigger. Yeah, and to be honest with you, the HR director of uh, Asia Pacific office, I remember he said to me, you have to leave to, to do that. Mm -hmm. Which for me was quite a devastating messaging after 16 yeah. years. Anyway, I'm glad I did, mm. as much as I... Because you've grown. And yeah, I've grown hugely. And I went into managing consulting, which mm -hmm. retrospectively, definitely not my spot, but right. I learned so many lessons there. Yeah. So I did a spell at Ernest & Young, um, which definitely wasn't so much into customer analytics, more enterprise information, so mm -hmm. that's the gain. And then I did another spell at Deloitte. Mm -hmm. Uh, but with Deloitte, I was uh, very much focused on a single project that, that was actually delivered to one of the biggest uh, eyewear fashion, Italian mm -hmm. eyewear fashion. So that was a quite fun uh, fun gig. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the that. The gigs are often really great when you're working for a big yeah. yeah. And the lesson there is that when you work with that size of the team and the variety of people mm -hmm. that you get from the junior graduate that is coming through the door to, you know, at one stage for that particular gig, it was a customer segmentation, big project. We had an anthropologist in the team. Right. I learned that the big four are the best people to translate uh, you know, any kind of complex analytics mm -hmm. into a really slick mm -hmm. strategy. Okay. And what makes them good? Well, the size of the team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we work in a very fast, fast pacing in my mm -hmm. team. So we don't really have that time to curate mm -hmm. what goes out to the stakeholder. Actually, sometimes it comes to me from the analyst and we have to go, here we go. Yeah. And unfortunately, that lost the value sometimes lose the value in translation mm -hmm. what they have they have the ability to have obviously a dedicated team mm -hmm. and you know down to the junior graduate again just getting the, the picture to perfection mm -hmm. and provide this slick deck that really translates the complex analytics into your some fantastic uh, you know vision mm -hmm. and I think that's that so was the a, packaging yeah the packaging is amazing and mm -hmm. the added value I mean mm -hmm. obviously the partner will come in and do the fancy speech mm -hmm. but this is the way they operate mm. and they know to perfection how to do it mm. because sometimes I will see oh yes we've done that that's exactly the same analysis but the way they translate it to the senior stakeholder to executive level or group executive mm. is, is completely different yeah and this is one of the biggest challenge for us mm. as a team at the moment as a you know advanced analytics as we know? get leaner and leaner and leaner the resources to stop and think it through it's like you have a graphic designer in your team but you know that's kind of what you need is someone to translate it into a picture um, correct and the time isn't there necessarily correct and people some people are more skilled and back to the what we were saying before mm -hmm. so you have that skill set or you don't it's really difficult to develop especially for you know an analytical person so yeah, it's something that we need we need to think about how mm. to crack specifically now, but definitely the big four are, yeah, the, yeah. are the best in, in to do that. So that I took that lesson from, mm. from that particular experience. And um, and here we are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So essentially that packaging of the solution or the, the, the idea or the decision making criteria 
um, is part of basically giving people, giving your stakeholder, your client, uh, a complex explanation that is easy to digest. Do you it's have also, any yeah, other it's also, yeah, it's also about what am I going to do with that? Mm. So what I'm seeing, especially in the last six months, which, as you know, I've been challenging time, mm. is... Okay, well, this is what we're trying to answer, but then you give me this, the data is saying this, mm-hmm. what do I do with it? Mm. So we actually need to become business trusted advisor to mm-hmm. every effect in yes. a consultative way, yes. internal consultant, obviously, um, and, and, you know, just mm. come up with the recommendation. But sometimes, you know, data people are data people. This is what yeah. the data say. Here we are. We want to take you on this exciting analysis yeah. that we did, and at the end of that journey, we'll tell you how fabulous the data is. And then, it's, and I'm still sitting here going, but what do I need to do? Yeah. Why is why do we even care about yeah. this? Yeah. So yes, the packaging That's, of the yeah. the response is a tricky thing. Packaging and next next you know next step. What yeah. do we do with it? And and uh, and it's hard when your baby is that creation of the whole. Here's the whole process we went through, and look at this beautiful analysis they did, and look how I brought in yes. that. And the client doesn't care about the baby. Yes. What they want. Is or the, the machine algorithm oh, that you exactly. actually use. Exactly. Yes. What they want to know is so what? What do I do next? What, do, what, I what do I do decision next? do I need yeah. to make? Yes. Um, That's one scenario. The other scenario is, uh, which again has been interesting, not maybe over the last six months, is when the stakeholder don't like what the data is actually telling them. <laughs> and that is. But I just want to do this. Yeah, no. <laughs> And that's another, you know, yeah. open another window of discussion, which, yes. I, you know, it's absolutely. absolutely something crazy. But Which yeah. is tough. I mean, because you talked about in terms of interviewing people, the gut, gut feel is a, is a good indicator. And people who've been working on gut feel for centuries <laughs> are now being given some data that goes, well, actually, not so much. Mm-hmm. In this case, gut feel is not the right thing. And the stakeholders going, but I've always done this and I've always done this, made this decision this way. Yes. This is how I've budgeted, this is how I've recruited, this is how I've sold, this is how I've marketed, this yeah. is how I, and now you're telling me that my entire career I've been making the wrong decision. Yeah, and to crack the mindset, specifically mm. in the, this large organization I work for, um, because you have people that have been there for mm. 10, 15, 20 yeah. years, it's the biggest decisions. challenge. Yeah, yeah, it's the biggest challenge. So we've been a couple of occasions, um, yes, where, mm. no, don't like it. Do you think we it will change? It. Do you think over time people are going to start trusting the data more? Uh, we need to because uh, look around us. Mm. Look at the industry, how tough it's becoming to be in business. Mm. I mean, I was looking, I was reading, no, actually it was on television, um, retail is particularly uh, an evident one. Mm. Big W is closing down one third of their store. Really? You know, it's just there are evident cases of business not surviving, traditional business, Maya, mm. another one. So I think unless you're starting to rely heavily on decision based on data evidence, you're not going to survive in this mm. competitive and it's got same. to make different yeah. decisions now. Absolutely. And much faster. Mm. You can't really, you're not in a situation of, you know, we're taking eight weeks to make a decision and then take it to stakeholders. So we're about talking the same business issue for three months. You're going to have to go much faster than that. Mm. Mm. And I think tools and processes and people will allow you to do that. Mm. It's just that, you need the endorsement of senior, senior you know, yeah. group executive. And if really. they want to override that by saying, no, this is how we've always done it, this is what I want to do. Even well, agile is challenging there. Yeah. Are exactly. we true agile? Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Things are changing. Um, okay, talking about professional development, how do you keep up with analytics, with leadership, with, you know, what, 
what kind of stuff do you are you a youtube junkie or a podcast listener or a book reader or not really um i have to say that I rely a little bit on social media, but I've become a bit off it mm-hmm. lately. I don't know, maybe it's Bit my age. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, I, this is not giving me what no. I want to give me. Yeah. No, I just, I just find that because of work, I've got so much exposure to technology. In my spare time, I just want to get off technology. So definitely in my... So I've been in Australia since year 2000. What is mm-hmm. that? 19 years. Yeah. Oh my God. So I develop a, a huge amount of analytical people network yes. around the country. Yes. So that's one. Um, I definitely rely on the younger people in my team. Okay, I mean, I, good yeah, stuff. I have people that are 24, 25. So I really mm. get inspired because mm. it's so tough now to come yeah. into the you know workplace and and obviously work will change. Also, the data scientist figure will change across the next few years because we really need to specialize and, mm. and be more niche. So I get inspired by young people. I, I try to challenge them and bring me the latest, you know, bring me innovation. Yeah, Chris Carr. Do you know Chris Carr from Australia? Yeah, CBA. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you know everybody? He, used uh, to, he went for a managing consulting spell as well. He did He's as well. He's in KPNG, yeah. Exactly. So he was, I think I just published him like two weeks yes. ago. Um, and he's talking about his biggest professional development thing is to essentially be a sticky beak. And, but he also does a Friday afternoon, he does a... Uh, I think it's Friday afternoon. Once a week, yeah. people come and they someone each person has to present something new that they found. Oh, we do that. We do a lot of that. But I also like to challenge the the new generation. Yeah, you yeah. Know, because they won't listen to you. They got a little bit of attitude like my son. My son is sixteen. Yes. And he's another font, you know, in another source of inspiration. I suppose he's keeping me up to date with the technology and stuff. But, um, you know, I just try to push them and say, no, this is not the way. Just come back. Bring, bring us bring some more, better. you know, <laughs> leadership and inspiration and innovation. Just go out to try to do some research. Because, you know, these kids are really a different way to do research okay. like we used to. Yeah. So I'll try to challenge them. And we had funny conversations. You know, it's also fun the way we, we work together. And this is also the important things. I mean, yes, work is hard, but we need to also have fun. The other source of inspiration and, and personal development is my sister. Mm-hmm. My sister is the real brainy one in the in the family. She oh, is right, okay. brainier than you. All right. I'm much brainier than me. And she's got a PhD in genetics. Oh. And she's a um, fellow researcher at University of Bologna. Mm-hmm. So she does experiment, the only three laboratories in the world. One is in Brisbane, actually, on this zebra fish, on anything that, you know, could be a disease or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's a new way to, to obviously do uh, experiment. Mm-hmm. She knows nothing about statistics. So she will come to me with her latest publication that she needs to do. And I need to verify the statistical test. So take me back to wow. the traditional statistics, but the yeah. way they do it and... You know, what they're trying to tackle has an hypothesis. Yes. I mean, it's nothing like what I work on a daily basis. We're talking about, you know, disease or things that obviously you can die for. So that it's something that I really like, taking other industry, and this is specifically, you know, a tough one, uh, idea and see if we can translate into something that we can use at work as well. So, yeah, she's, she's quite good in that. Um, what else? No, I think I don't do that's, a lot of podcasts. Enough. Yeah, I just 
again, I like to try to, to get inspiration from other industry. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, I, I like to do different things in my spare time, but sometimes that idea is take me to a journey and I start <laughs> thinking, okay, maybe uh, do a bit of research and see how we can apply. Mm -hmm. um, specifically because in my daily job, I mean, we try to guess a lot of what's the customer behavior, what they're mm -hmm. going to do next, yeah. what product they're going to do. So you really need a little bit of uh, inspiration. And I, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a customer myself, yeah. so I try to guess, yeah. you know, and we got so much, be you know, we, we leave every day a yeah. trail of data behind mm -hmm. us, which is absolutely scary in a way. Mm -hmm. So how am I going to guess what's, you know, potentially what anticipate next? your yeah. next behavior? That's, yeah, yeah. that's a quite intriguing question. It's exciting. It is. Sometimes... Uh, you know, if you put it in a work contest, it can get a little bit boring. So who are the customers that are going to leave me? Who are the customers that are going to take another product? But I think there's always that level of excitement, you mm -hmm. know, when you put in an hypothesis and say, okay, well, we're going to launch this or we're going to test this communication. Uh, let's see what we're going to do and how we can change, you know, mm -hmm. the customer behavior. I think that it's always a little bit exciting. Mm, yeah, mm. absolutely. And talk to me about complex explanations. Do you have particular ways of preparing for a meeting to explain something complex to a stakeholder or even a person you're working with, like yeah. a, a member of your team? So being, being obviously English as my second language has always been very, very instrumental for me to mm -hmm. be prepared. Right. And where I had epic fail, it was because I didn't put the preparation time. Okay. And it's, it's a bit of a control freak as well, but I really need to be able to convey that message, yeah. for, especially in front of senior stakeholders. So preparation is key. So how do you prepare? So in the past, I used to, um, you know, when I was in the software land, I used to obviously turn up, do this beautiful demo in front of the client, and everything has to be slick. And obviously, mm. you yeah. know, it, it, it's not always going yeah. <laughs> according to plan. So that's a preparation, you practice, mm -hmm. you prepare your speech, you prepare your slide, you do all of that. In the real world, when I cross the... <laughs> well, you're constantly having new hypotheses. Yes, yes. I make sure that I sit down with the people that do the analysis and validate what they've done. I can't do that all the time, but for the very important one, I have to, yeah. because you be be put you on the spot. You need to on that accuracy. Yeah. Yes, you be, and if the number is wrong, you know yeah. where I work. Yeah. Yes. Shit will come down. <laughs> so, <laughs> literally. So that's that's important. Yeah. And then depending on time, obviously we always have, yes. as I say, You've a got really three minutes it's harder. Yeah. But if I have time, I will put some effort in try to obviously prepare. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of having twenty-five thousand slides. So I'm more, you know, obviously engaged in a face-to-face -face conversation, mm -hmm. but obviously we will make sure that we have you know, a proper story. And so how do, you, how do you get the story? What's the... The story, but well, as you know, we've yeah. done a, a lot of work. <laughs> yes. So we use some technique um, that we learned from that specific course. And obviously we, we try also to engage the stakeholder and setting the scene. And I think that's really important mm -hmm. to, you know, make them understand, okay, on that day, we will come in and show you what we've done to verify or not this hypothesis. So a pre-engagement mm -hmm. um, and then obviously using some of the techniques or you can use, you know, making a translated 
just, I don't, I don't know, history fact or mm-hmm. using some of those elements that, that we, we had in, mm-hmm. in the storytelling course. Mm-hmm. Um, make it real as well, maybe some fact that happened during the week. So again, just make it engaging to the audience because, I mean, there are many, many research. You lose your um, audience attention, especially after uh, eight minutes, I think, is the curve yeah, that yeah, goes yeah. down. So it's really difficult to get them engaged. And also try to be sharp and, and not get lost into the, again, to the details of okay, the analysis. Yeah. Yeah. And not having, you know, Excel data table on the slide and stuff like that. <laughs> so just make it a little bit engaging, yeah, especially yeah. because we're working with customer data and, and, you know, there are infinite possibilities. Some of the best presentation I've seen is really really graphical and try to describe different customer behavior profiles so you can really get, mm. you know, Get into the imaginative there and creative and, and just put together a fancy name, especially in segmentation group. You mm-hmm. can come up with all different names. And, and we had fun in some project in creating that kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fun mm-hmm. effect on, on presentations. So you mean kind of, kind of like customer advertising, like this is, this is Julia, she buys this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, come up with fancy name for some segment in yeah, the population. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a fun, nice. fun process. What's your favorite charity? So I do have a favorite charity, and it's a bit for a personal reason. Um, so my one of my nephew, uh, which is my brother, son, mm-hmm. little son, was born with a little um, defect, okay. genetic defect, which is the cleft palate. Mm-hmm. Not not very severe, and now it's been fixed. Mm-hmm. But he had to have few operations when he was yeah. tiny. So. Uh, for that reason, I support Operation Smile. Okay. Yeah, which obviously have yes. this doctor yes. doing this amazing work, in, yes. especially in, you know, a uh, developing country when you have severe, yeah, uh, yeah defects. Do, do they know what, what causes cleft palate? Do you know? It's, uh, my sister will know, not me, yeah. but it's a genetic uh, right. defect uh, at birth. So, right. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Especially the more devastating one with this... Uh, the, the lip where the just, when things are yeah, separated yeah, the lip that can yeah, be yeah because yeah. so yeah, I can even when I was a child there were kids in my class who yeah. had it and it wasn't like they couldn't correct it then they yeah. just had this weird kind of I know I know but it's amazing what we can do now with yeah, the reconstructive surgery and my nephew Lorenzo only had um, a funny mm-hmm. way to talk obviously right. he couldn't say certain letter or yes. certain vowel um but it was devastating. Obviously, he was only eight months when he had to do the oh, first surgery, so it's pretty so tough. Tiny. Yeah. But now he's um, 2012-7. Yeah. Started school last year, and the teacher said uh, we can't stop talking. I mean, he's always talking. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a great story, and and yeah. the doctor actually operate him. It's uh, he works in Bologna, and he works for the university as well. Mm-hmm. He constantly goes down to Africa and obviously do that's surgery for free yeah. for, for the for the operation it's smile. Operation smile. Yeah. yeah. That's the one. So is there anything else you want to say? Anything else that you think is important? No, it was so exciting to do this today. <laughs> Some fun fun times. Um I think uh, again for the one thing that I, I observe in, in the last few years is definitely the role of data scientists slash inside professional whatever Mm. you want to call it it will evolve and change Mm. so one significant fact is as you know we're swimming in big data Mm. and big data so having this data coming at you every time you interact 
um, will change the way. So I can see now specialized um, professional figure in just in data engineering, which is more the data preparation side. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. You can stay generalist, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure how much traction you will get. Yeah. I also see people like um, I used, I mean, I haven't done much end on in the last few years, but still I used to build models. So the mm-hmm. more traditional statistician slash mm-hmm. model builder mm-hmm. is becoming an application engineer, like a software mm-hmm. engineer. So it's actually packaging the algorithm that will mm-hmm. run something really fancy. So that's yeah. also an interesting term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, maybe data scientists or data scientists will also have somewhere, a spot to stay. But it's really interesting. And, you know, I've been hearing the same story as well for the last 20 years. It was really the automation of the machine mm-hmm. will take away, you know, mm-hmm. some of the, the work that you're doing. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe to some extent. I mean, obviously... They are mm. cars driving themselves in the, mm-hmm. US, in the US, so maybe we get to that. But, you know, if you're looking also at a recent example, like what they're doing with analytics, the Netflix or the Googles, mm-hmm. the mm. Uber as well, mm. it's just pretty fascinating. So yeah. you're going into that fully digital world. Yeah, and there's so much by that. that we haven't even thought about yet. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a challenge for the more traditional business now in every industry is just to evolve themselves mm. into that. Mm. using data on yeah. a regular basis and with that some of the profile <laughs> some of the so. classic profile will change mm. yeah 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 cool by yeah. then I will be fully retired <laughs> yeah but, you know it's 200 it's hour teacher so training fast. yoga <laughs> it's, it's, it's moving so fast that's the it's moving very fast I think it's going to be in 50 years time but it might be in five yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Definitely what we're talking about today and what we will be talking in five years. Yeah, it's Very totally different. different, totally different. And I remember the other thing that has been on my mind as well is mm. you probably know that I've been in a development country recently. I was in Cuba for, mm-hmm. for two weeks and that was a fantastic trip. Mm-hmm. It's also how... I could potentially use all my experience in, you know, Australia is very much out there. It's one of the world leaders in analytics right. and take the experience in a different yeah, like developing country. And that's yeah. why I'm learning Spanish as well. Just oh, to keep it. <laughs> it's kind of easy with Italian as your first language. Supposed to, supposed but not exactly because now I have to study the, you know, yeah. the declination and all the verbs yeah. and it's been quite challenging. It's actually interesting to learn a language at a 50 and I went with that kind of, you yeah. know, assumption, I know Italian is going to be easy. Mm, I think and again. It's, it's, only, it's only easy compared to a, someone whose first language is English or German. It's mm-hmm. not easy. Yeah. It's not easy in itself. Yeah. But it's good. It's, it's challenging my brain, which is obviously needs to be challenged uh, yeah. on a regular basis at this age. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's yeah. good exercise. But that's also, can you reuse some, of, even in Italy, some of the major analytical work that we've done in this country, which is quite, you know, mm-hmm. forward thinking yeah. and take it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's that's something I like to think about. Yeah. I have a friend who's a statistician with the World Health Organization in France, lives in Lyon. Um, he's an Australian man, but he, I did, I learned, I met him when I was studying French at university. Um, and he was telling me that they actually don't believe the data that's coming out of Australia around was it ovarian cancer I think they basically go oh it doesn't apply to us like oh really oh wow data like what um so yes I think we could export a lot of information uh, and a lot of ways of doing things who knows 
Where's your next career? We don't know. I don't know. I told you, 14 of November. That's my career. All right, well, I'm going to turn this off now. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you, Sim. We'll talk again. Thank you. This is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultant's Consultant, and you've been listening to Smarter Data People. This is part of what I do to understand how it is that data scientists can be more effective in the workplace, smarter, faster, and nicer. And if you have a team and you're finding them harder to manage than they could be, if you're constantly trying to squeeze more out of your budget and out of their time, and if you've got stakeholders or they've got stakeholders who are less than happy sometimes, maybe a lot more than sometimes, it can be really annoying and it can make you feel incompetent. I can help you help them get to the important problems faster target the wasted time and save you time and money and ultimately delight stakeholders so that you can feel competent again. It's such a good feeling. Talk to me.